Hello again and welcome to Contemplative Episcopalian, a podcast of St. Paul's Episcopal Church. We are a church located in downtown Beloit, Wisconsin. For this episode, we are sharing with you a homily that was delivered on February 23rd, 2020, the last Sunday after the Epiphany. The name of this homily is Transfiguration. The Gospel according to Matthew. Six days later, Jesus took him with Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. And they were coming down the mountain. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Okay, so moral of the story, don't let Jesus plan your lovely mountain weekend getaway. Because after a day of rigorous hiking, and after you have finally, finally reached the summit, Jesus is totally going to ruin your trip. Once you reach the summit of the mountain, you will see strange things. Things that are going to make you question your sanity, for sure. You will see bizarre lights, and your beloved messianic mountain guide will become eerily luminous himself. Then you will see Jesus talking to a couple of Jewish dudes, dudes who have been dead for a long time. And a thundering voice will boom down from the heavens, rebuking you for merely suggesting that it might be a good idea to put the tents up and to set up camp. And then, just like that, everything will shift back to normal. I mean, you won't even have enough time to snap a selfie with Moses and Elijah or an incandescent Jesus. And you won't be given the opportunity to record a video of God talking to you so that you can upload it to the YouTubes in order to impress all of your friends. Just like that, no more lights, no more booming voice from heaven. No more dead guys chit-chatting it up with Jesus. And you'll be left scratching your head, wondering, did I just dream all of this up? I mean, James and John did warn me not to eat that strange-looking mushroom that I found on the side of the trail. Maybe I should have listened to them, because I am a trippin'. And to make matters even worse, probably the worst part of it all, is that as you're coming down the mountain... 
Jesus is going to command you not to tell anyone about anything that you have just encountered. Hashtag, what happens on the holy mountain stays on the holy mountain. Have you ever read a passage from the Bible and thought to yourself, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) Well, the transfiguration story is one of those stories for me and for many people. It's such a weird story because it's filled with things that we don't normally encounter. Voices from heaven, clothing and faces and mountains becoming luminescent. Dead guys coming back to life only to crash your wilderness adventure. So how do we wrap our heads around this story? Well, it's important to note that Jesus actually refers to the experience that these men have. He refers to it as a vision. And perhaps this will make the story a bit more accessible, because most of us have never outright experienced the Shekinah glory of God resting on people and places, and most of us have never audibly heard God's voice quaking from the clouds. And most of us have never personally ever hung out with Moses or Elijah. I mean, I'm sure they're great guys and all. (laughs) But we've never experienced those types of things for the most part. But there are many of us who have had visions where we have seen and dreamt of things that we can't quite explain. And sometimes these visions, these dreams, even deeply impact and inspire our lives. Well, these disciples, they were granted a common vision experience. They were permitted to see something for a brief instant on that mountaintop, something that roused a fiery passion within them, so much so that Peter is still writing about it near the end of his life, as we see from the epistle reading this morning. It was an event that changed all of their lives forever. In this vision, In the transfiguration, they were allowed to see what life is like when the veil between heaven and earth comes crashing down. They, for a brief moment, saw what it is like for a part of the Lord's prayer to actually come true for them. They saw God's kingdom come, God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And it wasn't just Moses and Elijah who crashed the party. The point of the story is that it was the whole of heaven, all of heaven, that crashed the party. And while this moment on the mountaintop, this story seems so peculiar to us, the scriptures and the Christian mystics and even our tradition, it all actually teaches us that this is what reality, what reality really looks like. If only we had the eyes to see, as Jesus likes to say, we would be able to behold the divine light and the heavenly serenity that constantly surrounds us, constantly envelops us. We would see that the barrier that separates heaven from earth exists in our minds only, and not in reality. We would see that the chasm that we think separates us from our deceased loved ones, we would see that it doesn't actually exist. And that is a part of the point of Elijah and Moses actually being there. In Jesus' presence, death has utterly lost its grip on all of those who have died. 
If we had the eyes to see, we would recognize that at no point in our lives has God ever been far away. We would hear God's voice speaking to us all of the time, that still, small voice. Yeah, and maybe we wouldn't hear it audibly, but as my four-year-old son says, if we were just to close our eyes and to listen with our hearts, we would hear God talking to us. If we had the eyes to see, we would recognize that we've been swimming in the divine presence at every moment that we've been alive. God has always been closer to us than every breath we've ever drawn, closer than any thought we have ever imagined, closer than every single heartbeat. As one of my mentors has written, it is nonsense to talk about trying to find God because God has never lost us. If we talk about trying to find God, we are implying that we don't already have God and that God doesn't already have us. As St. Paul has said, it's in God that we all live and move and have our being. So trying to find God is like a fish in the ocean trying to find water or a bird at flight trying to find air or a star trying to find outer space. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Now I know what you're thinking. If this is the way that reality really is, and if I am so submersed in all of this God stuff and all of this heavenly stuff, all of the time, why can't I see it? I mean, where's my mountaintop experience? God has never revealed this reality to me. Really? <laughs> Are you sure about that? Look around you. Take a moment to let yourselves observe and to soak in the radical nature of what is actually happening as we come together in this place, especially as we unite ourselves at the altar rail. I hope you can see it's one of the most radical things that this world has ever known. Young and old kneel together. Rich and poor kneel together. Men and women kneel together. Here, gay, pansexual, and cisgender people all drink from the same chalice. People of different racial backgrounds all receive bread from the same loaf. The politically conservative and the politically liberal have beaten their swords into plowshares out of love for one another and out of love for God. The sick and the healthy come to receive Jesus' body and blood into their bodies. And the people who are overjoyed, the people who are thoroughly pissed off, the people who have more doubts than assurances, and the people who are more assured than they probably should be, and the people who have no shortages of opinions about churchy things, and the people who probably should have more opinions about churchy things, and the people who know a lot about the Bible, and the people who don't know jack squat about the Bible, 
And the people who are proud of being religious, and the people who kind of hate the fact that they are religious, and the people who are still trying to be perfect, and the people who gave up on trying to be perfect a long time ago, and the people who grew up Episcopalian, and the people who still aren't sure if they even can spell the word Episcopalian, they all, we all, come to receive Christ in the sacrament of the bread and the wine in this place. We all fuse our voices and our souls together as we sing of and as we pray for God's grace. And we reject the way that history and the economy and fundamentalism and politicians and misogynists and the principalities and the powers that be, we reject the way that they have divided us as we willingly willingly unite ourselves to one another in love. We all welcome one another to this altar because Christ welcomes all. All are accepted. All are invited to be themselves. All are respected. All are seen as image bearers of God. All are seen as temples of the Spirit. All are living embodiments of the cosmic Christ. All are loved. All are harbingers of heaven. All are cultivators of God's shalom. All are living, breathing manifestations of God's kingdom come. All are sacraments of Jesus' presence. This is a sanctuary that is filled with people whose faith can move mountains. And in fact, you all have unashamedly plucked the mountain straight out of the pages of this gospel story this morning, and you have planted it firmly in this place. You want a heavenly vision? a spiritual experience that will transfigure your lives? Look around you. Look around you. If this place does not convince you that heaven has come down, I don't know what will. And if this church does not embody a community transformed by God's kingdom come, I don't know what does. Beloved child of God, Can you not see the light of Christ's heavenly glory shining in the beautiful faces of everyone sitting around you? Beloved child of God, why do you wonder why you've never had a mountaintop experience before? Are you not standing on the mystical peak right now? Have you not witnessed lives utterly transformed in this place Have you not heard God's voice speaking to you when you come here? Have you not woven your voice and your spirit together with all of those in heaven during the Eucharist? Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all, all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy holy, holy. Have you not witnessed people leaving this place, following Jesus down the mountain, in order to go into the city to take up their crosses, in order to give themselves out of sacrificial love for others? If you live in the Beloit, Wisconsin area, And if you are looking for a new church home or faith community, 
we would love to have you stop in and visit us. We are at 212 West Grand Avenue in downtown Beloit. Our Sunday morning Eucharistic gatherings are in the main sanctuary at 10 a.m. We also have two additional services during the week, morning prayer from the Book of Common Prayer on Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. This group meets in the library, and we have a Wednesday Eucharistic gathering that meets at noon in the garden room. Lastly, our contemplative prayer group and children's ministry meets on Monday evenings from 7 to 8 p.m. Children are not just welcome to come to our Monday night gatherings, but are welcome to come to any and all of our services. We have a special kids' pew in the back of our sanctuary where kids can play, roam, read, snack, and learn in the context of our liturgical community. Nursery and Children's Church is also available for those parents who would like to drop their kids off before the service begins. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, you don't have to know anything about churchy stuff or Christianity to fully participate in any of our services. Feel free to come with your doubts, your heartaches, and your most genuine self. Feel free to ask questions, to fumble along, or to pretend like you know what is going on. Please come as you are and watch as God's grace transforms you into the person you've always wanted to be. Thank you for joining us today.